This morning is supposed to be Mother's Day in America. Where did Mother's Day begin? The same place, Christmas, Halloween, uh, Mardi Gras, and all of these things. It goes back to the pagan world. You can, I put something on the board here. Who is your mother? A true Mother's Day message. There are two mothers in the Bible. In the Bible. There is Babylon. The mother of harlots. A mother, the word in the Hebrew is is mem. I've known women that would have their children call them mem. And in the New Testament, it's the word M-E-T-E-R. Meter, now we think of mater is another way to pronounce it, mater. And we get the word metro from that. Metro, we think of metro, metropolitan or metropolis, metropolis. Polis is a Greek word, it means the people, people, and metro means mother of the people. And we think of a city as a mother. The Bible says, Babylon was the mother of all idolatry. Now, either Babylon is your mother, and how do you know what Babylon is about? You go back to her beginning in Genesis 11. I go over here on this end of the board because that's where Genesis is in the front of the Bible. Genesis 11 and 4. They said, let us build us. This is Babylon. This is what mothered, gave birth to and nurtured, nursed all idolatry. And that was in Genesis 11 and 4 when they said, let us make us. Isn't it amazing how you can tie all this together with everything else? Let us make us a name. The word name is Shem, and all of the world was being ruled by Shem at that time. Blessed be the Lord God of Shem, that Canaan will be his servants, that was the sons of Ham, and he and Japheth will dwell in the tents of Shem. Shem was the second born of Noah, just like many second borns were birthed and given the blessing of of God. Our second birth gets the blessing. There is another mother in the Bible that's called Zion. Zion is where Jerusalem sits. Jerusalem sits on Mount Zion. In fact, Zion is what God would address Israel. He said in the Zechariah, the second chapter, Deliver thyself, O Zion, from the daughter of Babylon. You have the decree to come back, come home, and rebuild the temple. Do it. Well, Zion is another mother. Now, one of these 
is your mother. One of them. Let me tell you about a mother. A mother was an instructor. A mother was an instructor. She would stay at home and teach the children while the husband went out to the field. That's why God would say, do not marry these daughters. Do not take the daughters of these heathens to your son because they will stay at home and teach your children paganism. That's exactly what happened in Nehemiah, the 13th chapter. Look over there very quickly, and then we'll get back to this subject of Zion or Babylon being your mother. It's one of the two. And the Bible teaches us that. Look over here in Nehemiah. Nehemiah had received the decree from King Artaxerxes there in the second chapter of of the book of Nehemiah to rebuild the city which and rebuild it in Zion. Zion was the mountain on which Jerusalem sits. By the way, the word Zion, the meaning of it means sunny. And I always identify that with Horizo. Prohorizo is the word predestinate. Horizo is our word horizon. So the horizon is the sunny part, and we are called from darkness to light to live in the light or in truth. So Zion has a meaning that we can identify with, and that's what we're called to. One of these is your mother. You'll either be living for self, making up your own name, and you'll say, I don't want to. What they were actually saying, we don't want Shem telling us what to do, so we're going to make up our own Shem. And they had a virgin-born son in, in this pagan in paganism. They had a mother and a they had a holy well an unholy trinity and they had everything in this it was a parallel doctrine to jesus they even had virgin born sons like addis and we know that he wasn't virgin born that was just a myth but i want to get further into this either babylon will be your mother or zion will be your mother Let's look over here in, let's go over here to Mark. Wait a minute, I was going to, wait a minute, I was going to go to Nehemiah. Now here's what happens when you intermarry your life. When you marry your life to false teachers. And you run with the wrong people. All right. Here in the 13th chapter of Nehemiah, Nehemiah got the decree around 444 B.C. from Artaxerxes. And Artaxerxes was the king of Babylon at this time. King of, king of Babylon. But he was... Artaxerxes was a Persian king. But since Persia loved Babylon so well, 
most of them would say, I'm going to make the capital city in Babylon. So the Persians were what we call Iran, Iraq, not Iraq, but Iran, Pakistan, Afghanistan. That was Persia. That was the Persians. And they had overthrown the Babylonians in uh, 539. And they were, they were following the commandments of the Persian kings to rebuild the temple. And then they got another decree to finish up the temple in 520. I'm not going to go into the details of it. And then they got another decree in 457. All these had to do with rebuilding and finishing the temple. And then they got a decree from Artaxerxes. And he would, in 444 B.C., and Artaxerxes asked Nehemiah, how long are you going to be gone? He said, I'll be gone for 12 years. So until 432 B.C., Nehemiah had left Babylon over here and gone all the way over to Israel to rebuild the city of God. And the one instruction that God had, and you can read about Israel intermarrying with these pagan women in Ezra the ninth and the tenth chapter, where, where the Lord tells uh, tells Ezra and Nehemiah, tell those men to get rid of their pagan wives. Now, so in. When they come back, they finish the the finish building Jerusalem. They finish building Jerusalem. Here's why you have to have the right mother and the right instructor. When they come, when he finishes building the temple, immediately the people start gathering together on the Sabbath to buy and sell their goods. And that doesn't please God at all. So Nehemiah tells the people, you keep doing this and I'm going to get angry, more angry than you can imagine. And we can read about this in verse 18 of chapter 13 of Nehemiah. Did not your fathers this thus, didn't they do this same thing? when they were carried away and did not our God bring all this evil upon us and upon this city of Jerusalem? Yet you bring more wrath upon Israel by profaning the Sabbath. And it came to pass that when the gates of Jerusalem began to be dark before the Sabbath, I commanded that the gates be shut and charged that they should not be opened till after the Sabbath. They were buying and selling on the Sabbath there in verse 15. Till after the Sabbath, and some of my servants set I at the gates that there should be no burden be brought in on the Sabbath. So the merchants and the sellers of all kind of ware lodged outside Jerusalem once or twice. Then I testified against them and said unto them, Why are you lodging outside the walls? It's the Sabbath day. If you do not, if you do this again, I will come down and lay hands on you. He's not talking about I'm going to come down and pray for you. 
I'm going to grab you. And that's what he did. It has got Nehemiah upset to no end. He said, I'm not going to put up with this. Then he goes on. From that time forth, they came no more on the Sabbath. I guess not. They've got a police officer there named Nehemiah that's not going to put up with it. And I command the Levites that they should cleanse themselves. They should come and keep the gates to sanctify the Sabbath day. And remember me, O my God, concerning this also, and spare me according to the greatness of thy mercy. In those days, here is the reason you don't intermarry your life to unbelief. In those days saw I Jews that had married wives of Ashdod. Ashdod was one of the chief cities of the Philistines, and they worshipped Dagon there and all kinds of other gods. And of Ammon, that's a city in, in what we call northern Jordan where they worship Moloch. And of Moab, that's southern Jordan where they worship Shemash. And these women were staying home and teaching their children this. These mothers were teaching their children because their husbands were not working in the field. And their children spake half in the speech of Ashdod and could not speak in the Jews' language, but according to the language of each of those people where they were from. They And until Acts, the second chapter, this is some 600 years. Well, maybe not quite 600. We're in 444. But close to, closer to 500 years later, in Acts 2, that's when God poured out of his Spirit on all flesh are the Gentiles. And here they are 500 years before Acts 2. And the children could not understand the word of God because it was written only in Hebrew back then. So it depends on what mother you have as to what you're going to be following. Now, they could only speak half in Ashdod and half in these speeches of Ammon and Moab. And he said, I contended with them and cursed them. He didn't cuss them. He cursed them, meant to cut off all fellowship with them. And smote certain of them and plucked off their hair and made them swear by God, saying, Ye shall not give your daughters unto their sons, nor take their daughters unto your sons or for yourselves. Did not Solomon king of Israel, sinned by these things. Yet among many nations were there no king like Solomon, who was beloved of his God, and God made him king over all Israel. Nevertheless, even did outlandish women cause him to sin. You can find that story in the 11th chapter of 1 Kings. You ought to write that out beside there. Shall we then hearken unto you to do all the great evil, to transgress against our God in marrying strange mothers, strange wives? And one of the sons of Jehoiada, the son of Elisha, the high priest, was son-in-law to Nehemiah's biggest enemy, Sanballat. He tried to get Nehemiah into the temple when God would have struck him dead. 
And he knew better than that. Because he wasn't of the tribe of Levi. And the horn I, therefore I chased him from me. He's not putting up with any monkey shines. Nehemiah is the toughest man in the word of God. People say, you shouldn't be so hard on people, Jim. Tell Nehemiah that. He wouldn't put up with it. Now, who is this mother? Let's go over here and mark the third chapter. Who is our mother? It better be Zion. Look here. Mark the third chapter. Jesus was inside a house and his apostles couldn't get to him because the press was great. There was a lot of people there. And here in the third chapter of Mark, verse 31, there came then his brethren and his mother standing outside, without means outside, sent unto him, calling him. And the multitude sat about him, and they said unto him, Behold, thy mother and thy brethren are outside seeking you. And Jesus answered them, saying, Who is my mother and my brethren? And be, he looked round about on them, which sat about him, and said, Behold, my mother and my brethren, for whosoever shall do the will of the Father, the same is my brother and my sister and my mother. That's who our mother is. Those who do the will, the thelema. The thelema, the, the determination. Those who do the will of God where do they get their instruction from? They get it because it's written in the hearts of the church. It's written in our hearts. Now, let's go over here to Mark, the 10th chapter. So, those who do the will of the Father is our mother. Our mother is those who do the will of the Father. Will of Father. Those who do the will of the Father, that's our mother. I didn't say that. Jesus said that, didn't he? Now, look over here in Mark, the 10th chapter. Where are we going to get the instruction from the Father? We're going to get the instruction because he writes it in fleshy tables of the hearts of all of his believers. Now, look here in Mark 10. And Peter began to say, he just got through talking to the rich young ruler. The rich young ruler says, what good thing shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? And he said, good master. Jesus said, if you're calling me good, I have to be God because only God is good. He was calling himself God there. 
then he comes on down here and he says it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of God in verse 25. Then down here in verse 28, then Peter began to say unto him, Lo, we have left all and have followed thee, Jesus. And Jesus answered and said, Verily I say unto you, There is no man that hath left house, or brethren, or sisters, or father, or mother, or wife, or children, or lands, for my sakes and the gospels, but he shall receive an hundredfold. Now the charismatics take this, and they make this money and stuff and things. That's not what it's talking about. Because he's going to multiply brothers and mothers and sisters here. He'll receive a hundredfold now in this time, houses and brothers. You're going to have to have a hundred brothers and a hundred mothers to have a hundred brothers and a hundred sisters. You understand? But who will these mothers and brethren and mothers and children and lands with persecution? Boy, they forget that part, don't they? With Dioko, D-I-O-K-O, one who flees for his life because he's being persecuted by these people with persecutions and in the world to come, eternal life. Now, eternal life is forever. Now let's go over here to Galatians, the fourth chapter. So our mothers and brothers and sisters, it's going to be this way. If you... If I have a house, I will help you by letting you live there. Or I'll rent it to you cheap, and I do that when I have houses to rent. I do that with people. I rent it cheap. Or let you stay there for free if you can't afford it. Now, look over here in Galatians. This will tell you who your mother is. It's those who do the will of the Father, first of all, he said. Now, in Galatians, fourth chapter. Fourth chapter. In verse 22. For it is written that Abraham had two sons, the one by bondmaid, the other by free woman. What's that talking about? It's talking about over there in Genesis the bondmaid was Hagar. Bondmaid was Hagar. Bondmaid was Hagar. Let me erase some of this. Hagar. That's over there in the 16th chapter of Genesis. Tell you the story. How God tells Abraham, you're going to have a son, but he was too old to have children. And he didn't have any seed anymore, any sperm anymore. And Sarah's going to have a child. And she doesn't ovulate anymore. And she has no more eggs. But you're going to have one. 
And Abraham staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief. He said, okay. But his wife Sarah said, you need to go into Hagar since I can't have a child. And God will give you one through her. Well, she had a son named Ishmael. Ishmael. And Ishmael was the firstborn, firstborn of Abraham. But God didn't even recognize Ishmael because when he told Abraham to go up on the mountain and take your son Isaac, and off, your only son Isaac is what he called him. And he was 13 years after Ishmael, 13 years later, then we see that Sarah has 13 years later. Ishmael was 13 years old when, when Isaac is born. He had Isaac. And he was too old to have children. You can read about that in the fourth chapter of Romans that Abraham considered not his own body now dead neither the deadness of Sarah's womb but he believed God that he would have a son and that's calling things that be not as though they were something that was not was something that was dead God quickened the this is the gospel that was preached to Abraham God foreseeing that he would justify the heathen through faith preached before the gospel to Abraham the gospel is a resurrection and he preached that by resurrecting Isaac from the dead. That's why the Bible says, In Isaac shall thy seed be called. We're called through the resurrection. Now, all right. Well, let's continue reading here. One by the bondmaid, the other by a free woman. The free woman was Sarah. Free woman. You need to read the 16th, 17th chapters of Genesis to get this story. All right, one by the free woman was Sarah. Now let's keep reading here. But he who was of the bondwoman was born after the flesh. That's when Sarah said, you got to go and have a baby by my maid, my handmaid. But he of the free woman was by promise because God had promised Abraham in the 15th chapter, you're going to have a son and it won't be a son after this Eliezer, this servant in your household. He's a good man, but it won't be after him. It'll be out of your own bowels. Which things are an allegory? For these are the two covenants, the one from Mount Sinai, which gendered to bondage, which is Hagar. For this Hagar is Mount Sinai in Arabia. And answereth to Jerusalem, which now is, and is in bondage with her children. But Jerusalem, which is above, is free, which is the mother of us all. Jerusalem. Is our... Now he's talking to Galatians. He's talking to a Galatian church, which is a Gentile church. 
Joseph is the mother of us all. Now, you had a mother, Babylon, founded the mother of harlots. The harlot is the word pornea. And pornea means idolatry. Idolatry means to serve what you see. One of these is your mother. Your mother's not necessarily your parent. A mother was one that instructed you in truth. Now, so Jerusalem is the mother of us all. For it is written, Rejoice thou barren that bearest not. Break forth and cry that thou travailest not. For the desolate hath many more children than she which hath an husband. That was talking about Hagar. Had many children. Out of Isaac came most of the Arab people. Now we brethren, as Isaac was, are the children of promise. But as then he that was born after the flesh persecuted him that was born after the spirit, even so it is now. Nevertheless, what says the scripture? Cast out the bondwoman and her son, talking about Hagar and Ishmael, which God did and had Sarah do. For the son of the bondwoman shall not be heir with the son of the free woman. So then, brethren, we are not children of the bondwoman, but of the free, but of Jerusalem. And that's our mother. Now, I want us to go over here to to Hebrews 12. If our mother is Jerusalem, Jerusalem sits on Zion. <coughs> All right. We're talking about who our mother is. It's not necessarily your parent. Now, Hebrews 12. So we've established that our mother is those who do the will of the Father. And it is Jerusalem. And whatever else Jerusalem is, that's what it is. Now Hebrews 12, verse 22. But ye are coming to Mount Zion. Mount Zion. We are Zion. We are Jerusalem. We're come to Mount Zion unto the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem. That's who our mother is. Unto a numerable company of angels, to the general assembly and church of the firstborn. So, our mother is the church, heavenly Jerusalem. Heavenly Jerusalem. Well, aren't we supposed to honor our mother? Well, depends on who she is. Are you supposed to honor a woman that calls herself your mother? She says, I want you to go to the store and get me a six-pack of beer. If you honor her, Honor in the Greek is the word time. 
looks like time, but it's Timae. Are you supposed to honor her by going getting her beer and some cigarettes? No, you're not. You're not. You're supposed to say, Mom, I can't do that. I don't want you to do these things that you do. That is your responsibility if you have a mother that is not living the way she should live. It's your responsibility to correct her in the truth. Just like it is your kids. I've corrected my father many times. And I could correct him because I wouldn't walk away from him. So, your mother is Jerusalem, which is the church. They talk about the mother church. Well, that's true. Well, is she the one that's going to instruct us? Isn't that everyone? The church is ecclesia, E-K, K-L-E-S-I-A. Ecclesia is the word church. It is a construction of ek and kaleo. Kaleo means to call. Ek means out. We get our word exit from that, like over there. Exit. Ek means called out. We've been called out of this world just like Israel was called out of Egypt to live righteously and godly and holy. We've been called to that. Now, I want us to go over here to Ephesians, the sixth chapter. Now, there's something that bothers everybody. They think we're supposed to let our parents have their way. No. Notice what this says in Ephesians, the sixth chapter. Notice the first verse, and notice the difference. It will mention parent, and then it will mention mother. A mother's not necessarily the same thing as a parent. A mother is one who instructs you in truth. All right, sixth chapter. Children, obey your parents in the Lord. Don't just obey them in everything. But you can't be rebellious and say, I'm going to decide what's right and what's wrong. Anything that's within the boundaries of being right, obey them in that. Only in the Lord. Parents. The word parent is the word genus. G-O-N-E-U-S. G-O-N-E-U-S. It's a form of genomai which means to cause to be, to cause as a parent to be. As a parent, we get the word gene from that. Your genes are what someone has born you from a body. Now that's a gene. We also get the word G-E-N-N-E-S-I-S. -E -N -N -E In the Greek, that's the word genesis. It would be our word genesis. It's the word genesis. It means nativity. Obey your parents only in the Lord. You don't just you don't obey them to go and do sin for them. Or put some of us have had a parent 
that have looked at it and said, I'm your father. You will honor me. My father said that to me many times when he was cursing or doing something that was wrong. And I was just a kid, 16 or 17, and I didn't know how to go about saying that's wrong. And you're not supposed to obey them outside of God's law. But make sure you're doing the right thing. It's awful hard to be mature as a kid. Now, now look at father and mother. <clears throat> Children, obey your parents of the Lord, for this is right. Honor thy father and thy mother, which is the first commandment with promise. That doesn't mean honor your parent. Honor your meter and your pater. I'm not really patriotic. Patriotic comes from the word pater. Which is the word father. George Washington is not my father. The man was a crook. People get the idea that our founding fathers in America were real good guys. They weren't. One third of the of the Revolutionary Army deserted. Uh, you read Richard Shinkman, he was a historian. And uh, as a historian, he was a graduate of Harvard. You can get his books over here at Barnes & Noble. Or you can order them if they don't have many more. You had one called Cherished Lies and Myths of American History. He was a Harvard graduate, had a doctorate in history. And he'll tell you the truth about our founding fathers. They weren't even close to what the teachers, where did we get this idea? They were about a half step below the apostles from politicians and teachers. George Washington, Ben Franklin, Thomas Jefferson, were deists. They were not Christians. They were self-avowed deists. They would say, I am a deist. A deist is one who believes in a deity, which is a god, out there, and they spin all this universe in orbit, and they walk away from it and say, now you take care of it. A deist is the same thing as a Unitarian, a Universalist. And they were not Christians. They don't mention in the Constitution the God of, of, the, of the Bible. They mention the God of nature. They mention things that are palatable that people can swallow. I don't like our founding fathers. They, Thomas Jefferson was considered a slick businessman. He wasn't considered a founding father during his day. George Washington was a thief. He stole 10,000 acres of Indian land because under the doctrine of discovery, he could. He was a surveyor, and he just took it from them under the doctrine of discovery that was issued by the Pope, by the Roman Catholic Spanish Pope, given to, given to uh, Ferdinand and Isabella, on Columbus first journey over here and said when you get there you can take this land from these Native Americans because they're not humans and they don't have souls that's what they said about the black man during the 
during the slavery time. They didn't have any souls, so you can kill them. Our founding fathers were a bunch of liars. Well, you know what they were? Same thing you are. Sinners. That's what they were. I'm I'm not patriotic. I used to sing patriotic songs in in these Air Force and Army bases where I went to. I don't really believe in that anymore because I don't believe in the men. Don't believe in the men that founded this. Thomas Jefferson, Andrew Jackson, James Monroe were behind the doctrine of discovery. They drove Thomas Jefferson, I'll get it right in a minute. Andrew Jackson drove 150,000 Cherokees from Georgia over to Oklahoma, and 4,500 of them died, and they didn't care because they said they could do that under the doctrine of discovery. Then James Monroe got a hold of this in 1823, renamed it, made it sound like something palatable, and call it manifest destiny that we have a right to go in and take all this land from these Indians, from the Mexicans, and we did that. We did just as much as Adolf Hitler did. We killed a hundred million American Indians in our quest to take that land. Boy, you know, you're really on a tear this morning, aren't you? I don't like our founding fathers. They lied about everything. They were politicians. Did you know that? I don't know what got me on that. Anyway, all right, I tell you what, you go over there to Books a Million, order Richard Shankman is a, one of the most highly respected historians in our history area. Just, you can order books by James Lowen, by, and you'll see them on C-SPAN from time to time. They're highly respected, and they'll tell you the truth about American history, which is not what we think it is. It's like the, we've got a retired colonel that comes here. He said, whoever wins the war gets to write the history. And we won the Revolutionary War, so we write the history on it, which most of it wasn't true. Now, let's get back to this. Honor thy father and thy mother, this is the first commandment with promise. What do they mean by that? Well, let's go over here to Exodus, the 20th chapter. Exodus 20. Exodus 20. I can't really teach this in one lesson. It's too much to it. All right. Exodus 20. We're not going to go. This is where Moses went up on the mountain, brought the Ten Commandments down. We're not going to spend time just on that. We're going to go to the father and the mother part, okay? All right. We've got... No other gods in verse 3. No graven images in verse 4. And then uh, showing 
well, I mean, verse 7, uh, Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. It doesn't mean to cuss. You, you don't take the name, the Shem, same word as let us make us a name. You don't take God's law and not live by it. That's taking his name in vain. It don't mean to utter an expletive. Now, it don't mean that it's okay to go around cussing because it's not. Now, let's look down here in verse 12. What was that, that we said over there in Ephesians 6 and 2? Honor thy father and thy mother that thy days may be long upon the earth which the Lord thy God giveth thee. This is the first commandment that would promise. Honor thy father and thy mother that the days may be long upon the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee. There's the promise. Length of life. Long life. What if I said if you honor Jerusalem the church and you honor God the Father, God Father, you have eternal life. I believe if you can live healthy enough in America to be honorable to things from the time you're young, but what drags us all away is all these temptations. I believe you'd actually be healthier. I would be healthier if I hadn't gone seeking after the flesh for so long. Now, Let's go over to Proverbs. We're going to look at our mother in a, a very abstract perspective, okay? Length of days and long life. Anything that gives us length of days and long life is our mother. Now, look here in Proverbs 3. We're looking at our mother. Who's our mother? Well, it's those who do the will of the Father. And it's Jerusalem. And Jerusalem is Zion. And in Jerusalem was the temple. Know you not that your body is the temple of God? And God has written in our hearts. He writes on fleshy tables of our hearts. This is where we get our instruction. Fleshy tables of the heart of heart so we so we are Jerusalem we come to Mount Zion heavenly Jerusalem the church so Mount Zion is heavenly Jerusalem the church that's our mother we are the mother we are our own mother because we've got it written in our hearts now now look over here in Proverbs Look at three. We're going to have to read through this because it's going to tell us about our mother. My son. Well, who's this talking here? This is God talking to Solomon. So he's saying, I am your father. My son, forget not my law, but let thine heart keep my commandments. This is not... His literal father talking to him. This is God the Father 
for length of days and long life and peace shall it add to you. You get length of days when you keep the laws of God which are written in our heart. That's our mother. You can't just go around here and let a mother have her way. She's on drugs. She smokes. She drinks. She says, honor me. Go get me some drugs and go get me something to drink. No. Let not mercy and truth forsake thee. Bind them about thy neck. Write them upon the table of thine heart. So there shall find favor and good understanding in the sight of God and man. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart. Lean not unto thine own understanding. Well, I just don't think God would do that. Well, it don't matter what you think. I just don't think some God would send somebody to hell on purpose. I got crucified yesterday by a guy in a little store because I had on a shirt that said, God does not love everybody. And I said a few things to him in his store. He followed me out to my car and gave me what for and told me, don't ever come into his store anymore wearing a shirt like that. Did you tell him to get over it? Huh? Did you tell him to get over it? <laughs> no, we just drove away finally. You couldn't talk to him. He was over-talking everything I was saying. I was trying to tell him. He, did, he said, I'm not a Calvinist. I said, well, I'm not either. But anyway, so much for that. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. Are we still talking about a mother? Yes. We're talking about a father because length of days and long life it'll give to you. And that's the first commandment with promise. So our father is God. Let's keep reading. Be not wise in thine own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. And it shall be health to thy navel and marrow to thy bones. Honor the Lord with thy substance, with the first fruits of all thine increase. So shall thy barns be filled with plenty. Do I believe this still applies? Yes. It doesn't mean you're going to be rich, but God will give you plenty. And thy presses shall burst out with new wine. My son, despise not the chastening of the Lord, neither be weary of his correction. For whom the Lord loveth, he corrects. If he loves you, he'll correct you and whip you and spank you. Minds us of that 12th chapter of Hebrews that the Bible says, God scourges every son that he receives. That word receive is the word decomai. He has to accept us. It means to accept. D-E-C-H-O-M-A-I. The Bible says the natural man cannot accept spiritual things, but God has to accept us. So he scourges every son he receives. That's a bloody whipping so we can be partaker of his holiness. And that's our mother. Look here. Happy is the man that findeth wisdom and the man that getteth understanding. 
For the merchandise of wisdom and understanding is better than the merchandise of silver and the gain thereof than fine gold. And notice what the next verse starts with. She. She, wisdom, understanding, is our mother. It's a she. Because it says the same thing about her. It says about honoring your mother. She is more precious than rubies. And all the things that thou canst desire are not to be compared unto her. Now we're going to see that wisdom and understanding is our mother in these next couple of verses. Watch. Length of days is in her right hand. Feminine pronoun. It's a reference back to wisdom and understanding. When we have the correct wisdom and we're instructed by the right mother, it may not be our parent. I wasn't given much instruction by my parents. Just I could run, do what I wanted to do. Length of days is in her right hand and her left hand riches and honor. Her ways are the ways of pleasantness and all her paths are peace. She, our mother, wisdom and understanding, is a tree of life. Our mother is wisdom and understanding. We have to be taught by Zion, by Jerusalem. Wisdom and understanding. And another name for her is Tree of Life. Remember the word law? Law is the Greek word nomos. It means illegal, legally prescribed food. for animals. So our mother, our mother is Jerusalem, heavenly Jerusalem, the church, that's our mother. And we found out in, in, in Galatians, the fourth chapter, that Jerusalem is the mother of us all. You have a mother that you're subject to that you may not like. But it's written in your heart. We're to instruct each other. And that's our mother and our brothers and our sisters. Now, let's keep reading here. She is a tree of life. So wherever we find a tree of life, you've got two mothers, Babylon and Zion. And you've got two trees in the garden. The tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Whatever, whatever the tree of the knowledge of good and evil is, the opposite of that is going to be our mother. Eve saw a tree that was good for food. Good for food. 
And John says, this is all that's in the world. All is in the world. All in the world is, is the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, and the pride of life. So this is going to be the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. The exact opposite of that is going to be the tree of life. That's our instruction in truth. Tree of life. And the Bible says the tree of life is wisdom and understanding. Doesn't it say that in Proverbs the third chapter? That's our that's our mother. Wisdom and understanding is our mother. And all that's in the world, the lust of the flesh, lust is the word epithumia, E-P-I-T-H-U-M-I-A. This is found in 1 John 2.16. 2.16. That word lust of the flesh, epithumia, means to breathe hard upon epi means upon our lives we breathe hard i i i want that i want her i want him i want what i want i want that car i want that house i want what i want that's lust the bible says covetousness is idolatry covetous is the word pleonectes it means to want more in any kind of way you can get it. To want more. Not to be content with such things as you have. means to want more. That is idolatry. Idolatry is the word E-I-D-O. L-O-L-A-T-R-E-I-A. And it means to see something and and lust after it and want it means to serve latruo l-a-t-r-e-u-o serve what you see it would be like you can't afford it but you leave the church and you go down here to Cadillac dealership and you look at the new Cadillacs all Sunday afternoon and you want that but you can't afford it it's to fill your eyes and your ears full of things that you have no business doing. Well, the exact opposite of that, the lust of the eye, that's idolatry, and the pride of life, that's the word A-L-A-Z-O-N-I-A, that is the word self-esteem. We're to esteem others better than ourselves. We're not to esteem ourselves. Boy, is that a hard thing to get over? Is esteeming me above the guy down the street? Well, they got a new boat. I want a bigger boat. They got a, a motor home. I want a longer one. They got a new house. I want one that's bigger than theirs. Had a guy tell me one time in New York, I got a chalkboard bigger than yours. Well, okay. I don't have any Greek words you can put on it. Good grief. So, wisdom and understanding is our mother, 
and it's a tree of life. You know what I have to do? I have to go to all the places, but before I do, everywhere tree of life is mentioned, that's our mother. Because we get from the tree of life, we get the fruit of the Spirit, and the fruit that grows is nomos, and that's the law of God. It means food for animals, and we are sheep. So the tree of life is what gives us food. Goodness. Well, let me, let me show you one other thing here in chapter 4. He says in verse 5, Get wisdom. That's our mother. Get wisdom. Well, let me back up. Read in verse 1. You children, the instruction... Hear ye children the instruction of the Father, attend to no understanding. For I give you good doctrine, forsake ye not my law. This is talking about God's laws. That comes from the Father. For I was my Father's son, tender and once beloved, in the sight of my mother. He taught me also and said unto me, Let thine heart retain thy words. Keep my commandments and live and get wisdom and get understanding. That's our mother from the previous chapter. The Bible says so. Forget it not, neither decline from the words of my mouth. Forsake her not. Not that they forsake it not. Forsake not our mother. And she shall preserve thee and love her and she shall keep thee. Verse 8, exalt her, she shall promote thee, she shall bring thee to honor when thou hast embraced her. Verse 9, she, it's talking about wisdom and understanding all through here, which is our mother. This is very abstract terminology. If you can't think abstract, you're going to miss this whole thing. She shall give to thine head an ornament of grace, a crown of glory, shall she deliver to thee. Look down here in verse 13. Take fast hold of instruction. Let her not go. Keep her, for she is thy life. That's the tree of life. That's our mother. That's our instruction. That's wisdom and understanding. That's our mother's instruction. Look over in Proverbs 15. Now, maybe you didn't know who your mother was till this morning. Proverbs 15. Look here in verse 4. A wholesome tongue is a tree of life. How's that? What if I said a wholesome tongue is our mother? Because we've established that the tree of life is wisdom and understanding, and that's our instruction. And we get that from the church, the church that's teaching truth. That's who our mother is. A wholesome tongue is a tree of life, but perverseness Perverseness, that's one of the words for froward, salaf, distortion, C-E-L-E-F-C-E-L-E-P-H. Perverseness. 
In the Old Testament, all through the Proverbs, you got the word froward. Froward means to twist and pervert. That's what this word, this is one of the words for froward. There's about 12 different words for froward. This is one of them, and that's what this means. It means to pervert and twist and distort and to be vicious with the word of God. So our mother is a tree of life, isn't she? Let me give you let me give you the first time tree of life's mentioned. Go over here to Genesis. How much time do I have, Mike? Twenty-nine. I'm gonna try to get through some of these. Look here in Genesis two. Notice where you have to go to cover all this territory. The tree of God never changes. The tree of life is the same wherever you find it. Genesis 2 and verse 9. And the ground the Lord made to grow up every tree which is pleasant to the sight and good for food. The tree of life also in the middle of the garden and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and they oppose one another. And the tree of the knowledge of good and evil is the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, and the pride of life. That's the same things that Eve saw. She saw a tree that was good for food. It would pleasant to her eye, and it make her wise. That whatever is opposite to that is the tree of life. The tree of life is the opposite of lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, and the pride of life. It crucifies self. That would be the same thing as the cross, the daily cross. Now, look over here in Genesis, the, the third chapter, verse 22. A wholesome tongue. The word wholesome is the word marpe, M-A-M. R-P-E. This is the word wholesome in Proverbs, the 15th chapter, verse 4. Wholesome. A wholesome tongue. Marpe has the same meaning in the New Testament as sound doctrine. The time will come when men will not endure sound doctrine. H-U-G-I-A-I-N-O. That is the word sound. It means uncorrupt words. So if you have a wholesome tongue, there's no corruption in your mouth. You say the honest thing. You just say it outright plain, and you get blunt with it. The Bible says, Sing we have such hope. There in Second Corinthians 3 and 12, we use great plainness of speech. Plainness, P-A-R-R-H-E-S-I-A. I use plainness of speech, and some people get enraged at me. Some of them just look at me and go, this guy that I talked to yesterday, he was enraged. He was infuriated because I had a shirt on that said, God does not love everybody. Tried to talk to him and wouldn't listen to a word I was saying. I kept saying, God said he hated Esau before he was born, born before he'd done any good or evil. I said, 
the Bible says that God hates all workers of iniquity. He didn't like the idea that God hated anything. If you don't like a God that hates, you don't believe in the God of the Bible. You don't believe truth. I don't care how much saved you say you are. You don't believe truth. You've got to believe in a God that hates. I hated Esau before he was born. I love Jacob. If God should have loved one of them, it shouldn't have been Jacob. He was a scoundrel. He's the one that God favored. God changed his name to Israel. People say, well, it's talking about nations. While they were becoming a nation, they were liars and thieves. Reuben was unstable as water, and Simeon went out to kill Shechem and Hamor because... Shechem had been having a sexual affair with his sister Dinah, and he didn't like that. So once they, Jacob says, if you'll all be circumcised, we'll let you into our family. And Shechem says, we're for that. But once they were circumcised, Simeon, the second born of Jacob, or Israel, tells Levi, come and go with me, let's kill all these people. All these men are circumcised and they can't move. Let's kill them. They, you can't say before they had done any good or evil as far as a nation because they did evil all the way through this. They were always evil. Jacob was evil. He stole. He lied to his father, said, yes, I am, I am Isaac, I am Esau thy son. He wasn't Esau. He put some hair on his arms to come to his father. He said, well, you feel like Esau, but you smell like, and you talk like Jacob. He lied to his father. He lied to his father-in-law, Laban, stole cattle from him. Jacob was a rascal. God didn't have any reason to love him. You can't say he looked way ahead and saw what good they would do. No, he didn't see a good thing in Jacob. Jacob was worthless until God changed him. Now, where was I? All right, I've got to give you some more of this. Look here in Genesis, the third chapter, verse 22. And the Lord said, Behold, the man is become as one of us to know good and evil, and now lest he put forth his hand and take also of the tree of life and eat and live forever. Therefore the Lord God sent him forth from the Garden of Eden to till the ground from which he was taken. So he drove out the man and he placed at the east of the Garden of Eden cherubims and a flaming sword to turn every way to keep the way of the tree of life. Lest they would eat and live forever. And of course, that's the first commandment with promise. That thy days may be long upon the earth, which the Lord thy God giveth thee. But this would give them eternal life. They didn't eat of that tree of life. The Bible says they haven't eaten of it. we got to guard it. Because they've eaten of this tree of the knowledge of good and evil. They're in opposition to each other. Zion is a mountain that's in opposition to Babylon. 
Zion is God's mountain and Babylon is the mountain of the world. The Bible says Babylon was a proud mountain that it, God says, I'm going to make her a burnt mountain. I'm going to destroy her. So you're back to the same subject. Our mother is the one who we follow. Is your mother Babylon or Zion? Now, let's look at some more of these. Proverbs 11. Proverbs 11. If you don't understand figurative language, you won't understand this. You have to understand abstract language. The tree of life is wisdom and understanding, and it is a she, and it's our mother, and length of days and long life is in her hand. When we honor our mother, we have length of days and long life. That's the first commandment with promise. But our mother is not necessarily our parent. Our mother is the one who instructs us correctly. And if you're instructed wrong, then that's the wrong mother. Look here in Proverbs 11. Let's look at a couple more of these. Proverbs 11. Whatever has taught you is your mother. Because a mother was an instructor that stayed at home and taught the children while the father went off to the fields to work. Now, Proverbs 11, verse 30. The fruit of righteousness is a tree of life. So when you are living righteously, the word is Sadiq, T-S-A-D-D-Y-I-Y-T-A-S-I-D-D-I-Y-Q. Sadiq is the same word. It's a word that means good. The tree of life is what is, it's a tree of righteousness. It's doing right, living right. Look over here in Proverbs 13, 12. You, you don't realize how much this is in the Bible. 13 and 12. Hope deferred maketh the heart sick, but when the desire cometh, when the desire for a spiritual thing cometh, it is a tree of life. And what we have is the legal food from the tree of life. That They considered a man that had his fig tree was very prosperous. He would sit under his fig tree. Look over here. Look at Revelation 2. This is a real common thing among the Jews. Revelation 2. Revelation, the second chapter. There are seven churches of Asia. They're said to be the seven candlesticks. Seven candlesticks is the menorah. That is the... I'll get there in a minute. Hold on. 
And John is telling us about the seven churches of Asia. Each one of the churches of Asia had a glitch. They'd had a sin in it that they needed to correct. The first one on the list, you can see the seven churches in chapter 1, verse 11. You've got the seven churches of Asia, Ephesus. Asia is western Turkey. Asia is not our Asia. It's Asia Minor. It's western Turkey. You had Galatia, which is a state there. You had the seven churches over here and the western end of Turkey. You had uh, Ephesus and Pergamos and, and the list goes on through seven churches. All of the churches of Asia weren't in the seven churches. But he lists them here. And then he says, over, says down here in verse 20, The mystery of the seven stars in the right hand of Christ and the seven golden candlesticks. The seven stars are the angels of the seven churches. Remember, angel is the word A-G-G-E-L-O-S. Forget heavenly angels. It just means messenger. Now, you can have a heavenly messenger like Michael or Gabriel, but this is just talking about the men, the men who pastored the churches. And he says, And the seven candlesticks which thou sawest are the seven churches. And then he goes into chapter 2 and 3 and explains the glitches in them. Well, let's read the first one here in verse 1 of chapter 2. Unto the angel of the church at Ephesus write, These things saith he that holdeth the seven stars in his right hand. This is very abstract. The seven stars are the pastors of the seven churches. Who walketh in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks. I know thy works, thy labor, and thy patience. How thou canst not bear them which are evil. And thou hast tried them which say they are apostles and are not, and hast found them liars, and hast borne and hast patience for my name's sake, that labored and hast not fainted. Nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee, because, Ephesus, thou hast left thy first love. If you don't know the difference between phileo and agape, you're not going to know what he's talking about. The word is agape. Agape was a relationship that kings had for their subjects, that fathers had for their families. They gave them laws and they willingly walked in them. That is the same thing that's in the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Excuse me, the tree of life. The same thing that's in the tree of life is God's law nomos legal food for sheep? Now let's keep reading. <laughs> they had problems at Ephesus. When you read the book of Ephesians and you read First and Second Timothy, Timothy was pastor at the church at Ephesus. They had some preachers at Ephesus that were preaching false doctrine, and Paul comes down hard on them. They had Hymenaeus and Philetus that was preaching a doctrine that the resurrection was past. And the Bible says that ain't like a canker. The word is gangrenos, a gangrene. So say that the 
Resurrection was past. It was one time in the past. And that word resurrection, anastasis, is feminine gender. That means to come to life after dying. When you die daily, you don't die one time. That's the same thing as I got saved one night. You don't just get saved one night. Saved is the word sozo, and it means to be taken from one point all the way to another point to be preserved through the entire deliverance. You don't get saved one night. Nobody's ever done that. I just listened to my father and all his Baptist friends. I did. It never made sense to me that it happened one night. I couldn't get a hold of it. I had to grow up and study the Bible to find out. My father didn't know what he was talking about. Neither did all of his Baptist friends. It's not some it's all wrapped up in one verse. Philippians one six. Being confident of this very thing, that he that hath begun a good work in you, he started it, he birthed you by his will, he will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. Saved is the whole program. It's not, I got saved. Did you get saved? He got saved. He got a loaf of bread when he went to the... Did you get some saved while you was at the store? You don't get it. G-I-T, that's an old John Wayne saying, now get. Good grief. I can't believe people. Now, let's keep reading here. You've left your first love. Remember, therefore, from whence you're fallen and repent. Another man there at Ephesus, Alexander, stood against Paul in the 19th chapter of Acts when they were trying to kill Paul over there at Ephesus. They were accusing Paul of preaching against the dying of the Ephesians. They had a... They had a manufacturing place where they made these little gods and sold them on a market. Paul wasn't trying to preach against their gods. He's trying to preach Christ. Do the first works or else I will come into thee quickly and remove thy candlesticks. I'll remove the light from you is what he's saying. If you keep living like a heathen, I'll cut off fellowship with you and your light will be out. But this thou hast that thou hatest, the deeds of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. We don't know who that was. I've looked at this, looked it up. May have been Nicholas. We had a following behind him. But he that hath an ear, let him hear. That's third person singular. Here is the word. Here is the word akoop, uh, is akuo. Obey is the word hoop, A-K-O-U-O. So obey means to hear under or be subordinate to. So he says, He that hath an ear to hear, let him hear. The hearing ear and the seeing eye of the Lord has made even both of them. The Spirit has said to the churches, to him that overcometh, you have to overcome to eat of the tree of life.
Him that overcometh will I give to eat of the tree of life. Overcometh, it's very simple. Overcometh is the word nikao. You get the tree of life, and that's our mother, isn't it? Huh? Our mother is the one that length of days and long life is in her hands. And when you obey your parents, this is the first commandment with promise. That's who our mother is. Overcome. N-I-K-A-O. It's a form, it's the verb form of N-I-K-E. Looks like Nike, and I'm quite sure it is. It's pronounced Nike. That's the word victory. The verb form of victory is overcome. And what is the victory that overcomes the world? Even, First John the 5th chapter, even our faith. So you have to have faith and believe God. Believe is the verb. Faith is the noun. Believe is the word P-I-S-T-E-U-O. Faith is P-I-S-T-I-S. P-I-S-T is the stem of the word. Remains the same. This is the verb. This is the noun. And the man that overcomes with faith gets to eat of the tree of life. Is that a different tree of life? God says, I don't ever change. It's the same tree of life that's in the garden. It opposes the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, all that's in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, and the pride of life. It's an opposition to that. How much, do I have any time, Mike? Well, let me go over here to... Revelation 22. Revelation 22. You think these are different trees of life? No, sir. Same tree of life. The tree of life is in opposition to the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. All that's in the world. Lust of the flesh, lust of the eye, and pride of life. Look in Revelation 22. Look at verse 14. Blessed are they that do His commandments. This is obedience to God's Word. That's what the tree of life is. That's the fruit of the Spirit. That's the law of God. People say, you sound like you're a legalist. I am a legalist. All the law is fulfilled in one word. Even in this, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. That word love is agape. Walk in the commandments concerning your neighbor. Blessed are they that do his commandments, they may, that they may have right to the tree of life and may enter through the gates into the city. Well, how do we enter in to Jerusalem? Straight is the gate. Straight is the gate. Can't read that. Huh? Well, I'll get me another pen. Straight is the gate. And now, here's the way you enter in and you eat of the tree of life. This is your mother. 
I doubt if anybody else in America preached on a mother like this this morning. You think? Without roses. I doubt that seriously. I just, I saw this studying for years and years and years. You know what you do? Just take your concordance and look up tree and look at every time it's got tree of life in it. And it always ends up going back to being obedient to God's word. And how do you enter into Jerusalem? Straight is the gate. Huh? No. It's not as bad. That's plenty dark. Here's how you enter in. Straight is the gate. And narrow is the way. And you're living by truth. Straight stenos. And the verb form of that is stenazo. How you spell straight? S-T-R-E-I-T. Straight. S-T-R. A-I-T. Narrow is the way. It's a narrow way. T-H-L-I-B-O. It's a form of T-H-L-I-P-S-I-S. Which is the word tribulation. Here's how you enter in and how you partake of the tree of life. Which is your mother. If you are a believer and you're wrestling with doing the truth. Your mother's Jerusalem the church and we're going to learn from each other and we lean on each other and we feed off each other we're supposed to be feeding off of one another that's what our mother is it's not it's not your parent that don't believe God and she cusses a little and drinks a little and, and is a little bit blasphemous towards God that's not a mother she gives you what's healthy for you. And that'll be the food of God. That'll be the nomos. And straight, stenos is the noun. Straight is the gate. Stenazo is the verb. It ends with A-Z-O. And that's the word groan all through the 8th chapter of Romans. And that's groaning, saying, oh me, this is hard life. I said to a lady the other day, I'm so tired of life and living, I want to go be with the Lord. And she said, oh, don't say that. That sounds so depressing. I don't mean I, don't mean I want to go lay down in a casket and be dead over in a grave. That's not the same thing as to be an absent with the body, be present with the Lord. I should have said, well, do you think I'd rather stay here with you or be with him? <laughs> it's just, I really get tired of enemies giving me a hard time. I am not going to fight them ever again. That's not going to happen. I don't believe in fighting enemies. I believe in leaving them alone, but boy, it's pressure on me. I don't know why you guys do that. You're not my enemy, but I'm evidently yours. I asked Mike years ago, why do people do that to me? Just start fights with me. He said, envy. He said, it's that. They want what you've got, and they don't want to work for it. Well, I just think I can do what Jim Brown does. Well, go ahead and go down the street and do it. 
can't do it here. We already got a preacher here, me. We don't need you to hear starting trouble. I've got a. I don't have time to read it. The origin of Mother's Day comes out of comes out of ancient honor of the mother goddess. And the mother of God in the ancient world was was those female deities, the ones that were the mother of God, and they gave that title to Mary, the mother of Roman Catholicism. <coughs> That's where it all started. You can look all this up on the internet. They have Mother's Day origin. It started with honoring the gods in the ancient world. It, it, this woman pushed for it. She was the one who wrote the Battle Hymn of the Republic, and and then she decided she didn't want to uh, want to have all of this commercialization. Then she tried to get them to stop it, and they wasn't going to stop it. But Juliet Ward Howe was the one that started it. And Julia Ward Howe, Mother's Day, and I don't have time to read all this stuff, it has pagan origins in it. it in fact, it goes back to honoring the goddess of spring, the mother of spring. It goes back to the same particular thing that the Easter comes from. I, maybe I'll read that to you next week. But there's an article in McClinic and Strong. It's called The Tree of Life. The Tree of Life is our mother. Jerusalem is our mother. Heavenly Jerusalem, the church is our mother. We'll get these instructions from one another. Let's pray. Father, thank you for truth. Lord, help us to understand your word. This is so abstract, it's hard for people to get a hold of. But you're the one that wrote it down. I didn't. I'm going to teach it the way you wrote it. Thank you for truth. Thank you for everything you do, letting us see these things. Fight our battles for us, and we give you praise for all things in Christ's name. Amen. Covered a lot of territory there. This wrote, Revelations was wrote 70 years after. Is this read? It was written around 96 AD. So what's this house? That's the words of Jesus. It's huh? He just had a vision that Jesus said? Well, Jesus came and talked to John.